Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, good morning. Happy Wednesday. You feeling lucky? Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Welcome to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here, joined by my co-host as always, Mr. Jerry Abair. Cajuns baseball got off the losing train last night and back on the winning wagon, as I like to call it. Snapped a five-game skid with a 9-8 victory over the Nickel State Colonels in Thibodeau. Apparently, so, you know, Jerry, they, they were talking on the broadcast last night, and, you know, every every baseball stadium has a nickname. You know, everything's, everything gets shortened, right? You know, ML Teague Moore Field at Russo Park is the Teague. Um, Alex Box is the Box. Duty Noble Field at Mississippi State is the Dude. So Ray Didier Field in Nichols. It, 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 you ready for this nickname? What you got? The Did. The Did. Is it just me or does it feel like they're trying too hard? The Did. Well, sometimes you got to market a certain way, and I guess that's what they're trying to do. Um, uh, that the, the name wasn't too intimidating for our baseball team last night, so. Uh, hey, market all you want. That's what it takes to get fans in the stands and bring in some some ticket revenue, uh, more power to you. Didn't really didn't really help uh, them, but all in all, it was Hell, a great it's game. Uh, it, it's helped it was, them. It's it, helped them in the past because I can't remember before last night the last time we actually won in Thibodeau. I believe it was twenty sixteen, fourteen. I think it was 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, five years. It was 2016. Yeah. And it, and it took actually it took a winning base hit um, in the bottom or the top of the ninth to uh, to get to get that win as well. So yeah, they, you know we've had to grind in the past, but um, all in all, just the you know I think I did this game. I, you know I don't think I can recall a midweek game as important as what we saw last night to get sort of, to get back on track. Um, you know, I was more worried before the game that because of the, the impending weather that we have headed our way, which by the way, everybody be safe. Um, I didn't, I, I was, I was wondering if we were even able to get the game to be played. And, you know, because I, I was saying on Sunday after that, that final loss to Southern Miss, we have to get the game in on Tuesday night against Nichols. This team needs to get back on track for the TCU series. And sure enough, uh, they were able to get the game in. And, you know, I, I wasn't too pleased in some aspects. But at the same time, I thought the bats came a little bit more alive. Uh, I thought they we hit the ball pretty well. Still striking out too many times. Still leaving a few guys on, one too many guys on base. 
but not enough runs, you know, throw some runs in, you know, some hard hit balls. Um, and at the end of the day, we still got the win. And I think, you know, regardless of how we won the game, it's still a win. And there's a lot of, and we'll talk about this. There's a lot of things we need to, to brush up on before Friday night against TCU. But I can tell you, um, those guys getting back on that bus with a W, heading back to Lafayette, I'm sure that bus ride was a lot more fun than if it would have been a loss. Yeah. Yeah, you're not even lying. Um, you know, I'm looking at the stats from last night, and one thing that's sticking out to me, so so I get the whole idea of your midweek game is you're using a lot of your relief pitchers. You know, it's kind of a kind of a pitch by committee kind of concept. And I get that and I'm in support of that. But one one thing I have to ask, this this was Connor Cook's stat line last night. He pitched two complete innings, no hits, no runs, only walked three batters, and struck out six. So to to make things easier for people, every out Connor Cook recorded was via the strikeout. He basically retired. He retired every single one of his, his batters that he faced. Why on earth would you pull him after two innings? Midweek games are different, Matt. Um, a lot of times you'll see guys pitch by committee. You'll see guys, you know, you'll try to, and I've noticed this with Coach, with Matt Deggs, he has, I mean, he's not afraid to pull a pitcher when he wants to. Um, and not because they're not pitching well, but, you know, they probably have something on the stat sheet. They probably have something, strategically speaking, that, you know, uh, they'd want to face a certain batter with a certain pitcher. Um, I've noticed that a lot more with, with Coach Deggs as opposed to Coach Robe, who I, sometimes, I didn't feel like Coach Robe was as quick as, as changing pitchers. I've noticed Coach Deggs has done that quite a few times. And... I just think sometimes, you know, you pitch by committee and you try to throw a lot of arms out. At the same time, you try to limit their pitches because who knows, we, we might see Connor Cook again this weekend. And so I guess it's one of those things where you limit the pitches and it's, it's, you pretty much have the entire bullpen ready to go for a big series like against the one we're about to face with TCU. Well, and, and, I, and I totally, like, like I said off the top, I, I understand that. And, I, and I'm in support of that in most situations. However... My thing is I'm also a big supporter of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. I agree with that. And, and look, if, there's it, been, if it, if it's working, it's working. And I'm not, a, and I look, by no means am I a baseball coach. I'm just a fan like you. Um, you know, we watch the games, we enjoy the games. Um, but strategically speaking, I, I don't really, I'll be honest with you. I'm not as familiar with why, Certain things are done the way they are. Oh, me neither. I'm not into the analytics crap. I don't. I don't know. But, but, you know, on the bright side, it's a gamble. It is a gamble. But on the bright side, you look at this upcoming weekend where you know now you can have Connor Cook ready to go in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, No, man. And so I guess it's you know, and and look again. I'm not used to seeing that, especially because I don't remember, you know, when, when Rogue did it it was very rare you would see a midweek guy playing unless you really needed him on the weekend, you know? Um, 
you know, Degs is a little different. I, I've noticed that a few times where we've had a bunch of guys who might have pitched um, during the week. You, you'll see him on the weekend. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Connor Cook this weekend. So um, I just feel like I guess he's limiting his pitching. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, Connor Cook walked off the mound probably as confident as he could be. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better performance than what we saw. Um, than what we saw this, this uh, last night. I mean, all six batters you faced, you retired every single one, you struck them out. I mean, that's just, that's as good as it gets. Now, on the other hand, you may have someone like, like Schultze, Jacob Schultz, who may need some reps. You know, he, he's been kind of not really in his groove lately. Uh, of course, he gave up some runs last night late in the game. But maybe guys like him might need a little bit more reps, you know, um, to kind of build his confidence back up. Overall, I thought the, the bullpen last night uh, gave up a few runs at the end. But I will say this, that doesn't take away the fact that this bullpen is still very, very deep. And especially with the weekend rotation, what we saw over the weekend, and we'll talk about that in a little while, I still think as long as the bats come alive, we have the pitching to carry this team. The problem is is that, you know, it's one thing to pitch, but if you, you have a ground ball coming to you, you can't you can't pop it somewhere, you can't drop or if a fly ball comes somewhere, you can't drop it. That's what we're gonna have to fix. We're gonna have to fix the fielding. I mean the fielding's been it's not let's just say the fielding has not been up to par of from of what we've been used to as as uh, Cajun baseball fans. Yeah, no, de- definitely not. What are we, 214 in the country in uh, in fielding percentage? Yeah, 214. And, and, and in my book, that's unacceptable. Now, I think to a lot of fans, that's unacceptable. And I know to the coaches and the players, that's unacceptable. Um, and sometimes they're going to make some mistakes. But, you know, if you look at the past five games, since the, I believe it was the Mississippi State game, um, you know, since the Mississippi State game, I want to say, we have totaled, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twelve 12 errors in the past five games. 12 errors. Yeah, that's bad. I think, um, I, think we're up, I think we're up to 29 on the year. That's a little over two hours a game. Uh, and actually, we're up to 31 errors, as from when we're looking so at right here. 30, 31 errors. 31 here. errors in 18 games. That's like one point two errors a game. That's correct. And uh, we have not had a game. We have not had a clean game. That's pretty bad. We have not had a game without an error since the Louisiana Tech game on March 2nd, which was about nine, ten games ago. So that in itself is concerning. Um especially when it's at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I know uh, Coach Deggs talked about that. And, you know, you can't, you can't make those mistakes against TCU, man. I mean, they, they, look, TCU will make you pay. Look, TCU's on-base percentage right now, they're 16th in the country in on-base percentage at 423, all right? With guys on base, you make errors, they will score runs on you. Um, so you, you got to clean it up, like, now. <laughs> You got to clean it up now, um, but I don't know. I feel I feel good. I feel good after last night somewhat. I still think we need to we need to clean up some things that otherwise I would say uh, they are fixable. 
question is when when is it going to get fixed? Is it going to get fixed on Friday? Is it going to get fixed next week? Is it going to get fixed in a month? The sooner the better. The sooner the better. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. The um, the errors and the fielding issues need to change. One thing that I thought was was a positive from last night is the way that Louisiana was able to hit the ball, uh, recording its second most hits on the year with fourteen. Um, we had three players, I believe. I think it was three. Yes, three players to record three hits on the night. That was Connor Kimple, Ben Fitzgerald, and Brett Bergogno. Um, Kimple and Fitzgerald both had home runs. Um, they actually came back-to-back to one another. And according to RagingCajuns.com, they were the first Cajun duo to do so since Oren Vaillant and Handsome Monica did so against LSU in 2019. Yeah, I thought last night was a, was, was one of those nights. Again, we, we hit the ball hard. We got on base. We hit a few home runs. Um, you know, we were very aggressive, a little more aggressive at the plate. Uh, still think we're striking out too many times. Um, and we had 12 strikeouts last night, which I think needs the number needs to go down, obviously. Um, if you look at the past, since Mississippi State, the past five games, we've totaled 65 strikeouts. Um, and that, I mean, that's an average of 13 strikeouts a game. So between Mississippi State, the three-game series against Southern Miss and Nichols last night, we have had double-digit strikeouts in every single game. Um, and so that needs to come down. I think, uh, and of course, confidence. You know, if, if you get that number down, even if you make contact with the ball and, and you're, you're still, sometimes you're hitting flyouts, hitting the ball hard, you know, it's going to happen. You know, you're, you're going to eventually, one of those balls is going to drop and, and drop into play where you can get on base. But, I mean, you can't, I mean, we can't keep having double-digit strikeouts. Uh, that, that's just something that needs to, the number needs to go down there. And look, we all know hitting is contagious. Um, you saw it last night. Um, you know, many, many, like just about the entire team got a base hit. Everybody on the team just, you know, just about got a base hit to where, you know, there was enough, there was enough confidence that, you know, people were just they were feeding off of each other there. And I thought that last night, you know, you know seeing Ben Fitzgerald get two hits, Connor Kimple getting his two hits, um, both of them each getting a home run, uh, Alex Haney. It was a bunt, but he got his first base hit. Tyler Robinson got a hit. You know, Drake Osborne, he's usually dependable. Bobby Lede, um, you know, those those guys, and you know, I mean, those guys are, are dependable. Uh, then you look at, I mean, look at Brett Borgonio. Uh, when he went three for five, three for five, two RBIs. Um, I mean, you even have guys that really aren't main starters that are getting hits. Jonathan Brandon got a hit last night. So it does become a little more contagious. Um, I think the main thing is now, and, you know, I've heard many fans talk about this over the past few weeks, is when, and look, I trust the coaching staff to get it done, but I'm just kind of curious, is now it's the timing of the lineup. Are we going to see consistency in the lineup? Because I've noticed the lineup's been rotated a lot more. When are we going to see more consistency with the lineup to where guys like, you know, we already know guys like Tyler Robinson, he's going to be the leadoff. You got Connor Kimple. He's usually going to be second or third. You got Ben Fitzgerald. He's going to be in the lineup. Drake Osborne's going to be in the lineup. Lede's pretty much solidified his spot in the lineup. Rockefort's been in, you know, he's been in the lineup. But now the question is, what about guys like Brett Borgonia? What about guys like C.J. Willis? What about guys like Jonathan Brandon? What are they going to do? You know, so that's going to be a big question mark moving forward is what's going to happen with the lineup? How long is it going to take to solidify the lineup? 
because eventually you're going to want to see some consistency. Um, you know, and I hope that eventually we're able to see that sooner than later, because once we get that, I think once we get that lineup going, players will have an understanding of everything happening. And I think we'll be, there's, there'll be a lot more, I guess a little bit more structure moving forward with, with, with our haters. Yeah, no, agreed for sure. Um, one thing that I, I thought was an, another thing that I thought was interesting last night was, you know, Louisiana. We we like to we like to jump out to these big leads. Uh, at one point, the game was seven to two, eight to three, and then as late as the seventh, it was nine to four. Yeah. Um. And you know, very. I had a very telling conversation with uh, with my fiance, and I'm telling her the score of the game. You know, it's nine to four in the seventh. Blah blah blah. And she looks at me and she goes, "Hope they don't blow it." Yeah. By the way, and they, uh, I and they nearly quick... and they nearly did. Yeah, I, I want to make a quick correction. We said the last win on the road was in 2016. It was actually 2019. We won uh, three to one uh, on March 5th of 2019. So the last time we played, we've got a two game win streak at the did right now. At the did. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, you know, Caitlin, Caitlin was right. And, and, you know, I had the same sort of bad premonition. Uh, we're up nine to four. And that, that was my mindset too. It was like, oh, geez, like I, I know we're ahead, but just the thought in the back of my mind, can we find a way to either blow this lead or let Nichols make a comeback? And sure enough, they did. Uh, and, and again, you know, that, that is concerning, but, that, that was, to me, that has to do with a lot with fielding mistakes. And also, you have one or two pitches that are in a current slump. That is usually not the case. Um, and I think that's also fixable, too, with our depth. I think if you're playing the, if you play the weekend rotation, you know, you put someone like Brandon Talley in, I don't see that happening. Um, but, you know, regardless, if it's like in poker, you play with the cards you're dealt with, and in the midweek, you play guys that may not get as much reps. You play guys that may may uh, not play as much on the weekend, but they still have to be ready. And um, I saw last night that, you know, I mean, look, Alex Haney dropping that fly ball in left field. Got to catch that. I mean, you can't you can't do stuff like that. You know, you, you gave up. And on top of that, you give up a run. You know, and then Jacob, and like I said, Jacob Schultz comes in, gives up a few hits, um, and gives up some runs. And then on top of that, one of those runs is scored on an error because the ball was overthrown to third base. Three runs right there. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing how fast the game can turn on you. And, and, and it looked like it almost did last night, but I'll give credit where credit's due. I thought the pitching and defense did a fantastic job. I mean, it was, I think they were two men on with one out. It was nine to eight, bottom of the eighth. Nichols has the momentum. But uh, luckily, luckily, the defense, uh, I thought the, the fielding and our, our, our defense was able to hold them. Um, and, and I thought the pitching did a fantastic job to close the game out. Um, very pleased by the way they finished. Very pleased by the way that they were able to come in. Austin Bradford, uh, for someone who really hasn't been getting many reps, he's still coming Recovering from his injury, I thought Austin Bradford did a fantastic job coming out and closing the game the way he did. Um, you know, had one big strikeout. And, 
gave up no hits. So credit goes, I give credit to Austin Bradford for finishing the way he did. And also, he's also a, uh, a listener to the pod. So I got to give a shout out job. Well done closing that game out. But you know, it's again, that last night's game was very important, man, because you, you, regardless of the mistakes we made, we had to get that win. And at the end of the day, it was nine to eight. I wish it was more like nine to three, nine to four. But this team came in with a four or five game win streak. They swept a four game series against Stephen F. Austin. Here we are with a five game losing streak coming in to barely buy a hit these last few games. And we came out, put up nine runs, and won the game. So at a, at a place where we use, it's very hard to win. So all in all, got to give kudos to this team, the way they fought, the way they finished. And, um, now we move forward to a very good TCU team. Um, you know, TCU is TCU. A team that has a lot of history. They've been to Omaha a few times. And, you know, last time we played them, it wasn't too pretty. Uh, we played them, I believe, in 2016, the year we had, the last time we actually hosted a regional. That same year we played them in Houston. And they beat us pretty heavily. So they're going to be very good. They're going to be ready to go. They've got a fantastic pitching staff. Um, so, that's going to be a great match, and I'm looking forward to it. And it should be uh, it'll be a great barometer to see where we are. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, TCU is coming to ML Teagmore Field this weekend. Uh, nine, no, sorry, six, two, and one Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, TCU currently ranked 15th in the country according to D1Baseball.com. So, uh, big-time matchup for the Cajuns to, like you said, it's a good, it's going to be a good barometer to figure out, you know, kind of where we are. Um, well, especially, especially I know before where, you get in the conference. Well, it's, it's your last big test before conference. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you, man, what do you think about Spencer Arrogetti getting the Friday, no- uh, Friday night nod on the mound? You know, at at first, you know, you, you and I had a conversation almost immediately after the news came out, and and at first I didn't agree with it, and this this is why, you know, all credit to Arigetti and the performances that he's put together, but you run with Hayden Dirk from day one. He pitches well for you every time he steps out on the mound. He has one bad performance that Friday night against Southern Miss, and you pull him. Yeah, you want to, you want to talk about a confidence killer? Yeah, the, kid, the kid's confidence is already down because of the performance that he had, and then you take him out of his spot. That kid yeah. might not. That kid might not ever come back. And it's concerning. I mean, look, I'm concerned about that. Um, and, and look, I don't know him. I don't know what his confidence level is like to begin with. I'll tell you this: as a freshman who has competed the way he has. Even Friday night, in spite of Friday night, he looks like a veteran pitcher. Um, and for him to get the Friday night nod as a freshman at this level of baseball is a huge compliment to his ability, his potential, and his skill. And he's, for the most part, outside of Friday, he has answered the call. Um, I, I just, you know, look, you're 18, 19 years old. Compared to the level of maturity of a 22, 23-year-old playing any sport, you know, that's my biggest concern is, is he going to take this experience being a freshman and trying to learn and trying to listen to his coaching staff and saying, look, you know, they trust me, but at the same time, I need to learn from this. 
or is he going to say, man, this coaching staff has no confidence in me. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to react to it. That's yet to be seen. Um, but that is a concern as a fan when I see that he's getting pulled after four games. He had one bad game all of a sudden. Now he's not starting on Friday. Um, it makes me it makes me a little curious um, about his about the way he would respond to that. I hope he responds in a way that you know um, I have a, you know I've been challenged, but at the same time, I I understand why they're doing it. It's a le- let it be a learning experience, and I'm going to learn from it. But as someone who's Beyond the, as someone who's beyond the age of thirty who understands that eighteen, nineteen year old, you know, kid may not understand. I don't know if, they, if some can can handle that more than others, you know, and that that does concern me a little bit. Well, you, well, you see, the more the more I thought about it, maybe it would be it it would be one of those things where okay, so Spencer Arigetti, obviously. Um, he's obviously a transfer from TCU. So, and he tra- it is not a hidden fact that he transferred because he felt like he deserved more playing time than he was getting at TCU. And very clearly, it seems that he was right. Um, so I think what it is is it's Matt Deggs giving Spencer Arigetti an opportunity to walk out on that mound and make them regret not pe- not playing you. That is that has crossed my mind. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people have, coaches have done that before where they'll put a, a certain player in the spotlight against the former team and straight up tell them, you, you did wrong. You did me wrong. Um, and that has, I'll be lying to you if I told you that didn't cross my mind this week when I found out the news that, Eric Getty was going to Friday. Maybe, maybe it's just his way of going out there to give, to prove a point to TCU. Um, but the question is, if that's the case, if that's the case, who's going to be pitching the following Friday night against coastal Carolina? Is Eric Getty going to be on the mound again Friday night or is it going to be Hayden Dirk? Um, I think, I think it goes back to Dirk. We'll see. We'll see. Look, that's yet to be seen. I, I mean, look, if that's the case, if that's the case, then okay, maybe that's a little more understandable. But I don't know. I mean, we'll see the following Friday. And look, Spencer Arigetti, Hayden Dirk, both of them, in my opinion, even Carter Robinson. You put three of those pitchers. Look, our weekend rotation to me, I think it's a top twenty-five rotation. Uh, they're they're those three are to me are as good as it gets. Um, probably one of the probably one of the best weekend rotations I think we've had in, in since at least 2015, 2016. Um, and when you make a change like this, it is a risk. You're going all in this early. It's still kind of early in the season. We're not halfway uh, finished yet. And yet we're already rotating the Friday night starter. Um, that's, you know, the, the, uh, the optics say otherwise. Uh, I hope it is the case. I hope you're right. I hope it's the fact that they're just trying to get Arigetti to prove a point against TCU. But, but I think the, uh, we'll get our answer the following Friday against Coastal Carolina. Who's going to get the Who's going to get the nod? That's going to be. We're going to find out. So, look. Regardless, look. Arigetti is Arigetti. The kid is outstanding. He's got a lot of swagger. The way he's pitched has been lights out. I have no doubt he's going to pitch a, a gym this Friday night. I just hope Hayden Dirk 
can learn from this. I hope that there's no issues with him as far as his confidence being down. Um, and, you know, after his outing the other night, you know, when you're, when you're a freshman or even, you know, or an underclassman, and you're at an, a higher level of baseball or any sport, you know, that can, that can, that can hurt your confidence. You know, that can hurt your, hurt your swagger. That can hurt your, your momentum. So, how he responds, we'll find out. That's going to be the that's going to be the that's going to be the tall tale chase on on what kind of on his reaction to to certain adversities. And this weekend will be a great start for him to uh, to answer that call. Yeah, no, no question about it. Like we said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, six, two, and one respectively. Um, if I remember correctly, I think these games are going to be on ESPN Plus. Believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, um, and as always, you can hear Jay Walker and Brad Topham on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Pre-game show, as usual, will begin 30 minutes prior to first pitch. Let's see. Yes, all three games this weekend are on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, like I said, 6-2 and 1 Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to take a break right here on Rage and Review, and when we come back, we'll talk about softball's doubleheader with Texas tonight. And that and why it's been moved to Austin. And we will also talk about the women's basketball program and their WNIT fate right here on Rage and Review. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. 
Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Award Masters for all of their needs, and you will too. Award Masters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Award Master, the recognition and personalization experts. Welcome back to a region review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair with me. And Jerry, now it's time to get into the other diamond sport in our softball program. Uh, they were supposed to have some home games tonight, I believe, against number 10 Texas. But due to this awful severe weather that's supposed to be coming in today. The games have been moved to Austin, and they've also been pushed back a day. Not fair. They've, I wanted to play our games here. Right. Yeah, no. We we, 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 we want all the home games. <laughs> it happens. Um, I'm just glad they were able to get a game in, or games in. Uh, I think this is, regardless of where you play, this team is good enough to – they'll play you anytime, anywhere. Um, so, look, just, just play the game. Play where it's played, and, and let's see what these girls can do. I think eventually they'll have to, you know, eventually when they get to the regionals, might have to go on the road. And you know, but believe it or not, I'm looking at their schedule. It kind of works out perfectly because now they're going to play two games in Austin Thursday night at 4 and 6.30. And then instead of coming back to Lafayette, they're just going to go right up to Dallas because they've got a three-game series with Arlington this weekend. And, you know, it's actually perfect. I think that works out for the best. Um, and, look, they're going to be they're, they're going to be so – I'm guarantee you they're just excited to play. I mean, after what happened this past weekend, uh, we, we wish all the best to Georgia Southern. I know they had some uh, COVID issues. But, now, you know, you do that, I think um, I think they're just excited to get a game in, and, and, and I hope that uh, they can show it tonight. Um, we're going to find out they've had a long break, and um, – Moving forward, you know, moving forward to tonight, um, they can get back on the right track, uh, whether it's splitting the series, getting both wins. Of course, we want to get them just a sweep, but just beating this tech, really good Texas team, getting a win tonight or wins would be a huge step in the right direction and carry some momentum into the weekend at Arlington. Yeah, for sure. Tomorrow night in Austin, 
against number 10 Texas, 4 and 6.30. Both games are on ESPN+. Plus, and you can hear the radio call on ESPN 14.20. You know, the, the softball team needs to get back needs to get back on track. You know, obviously they, they lost the weekend series this weekend with Georgia Southern due to Georgia Southern's COVID-19 issues. And, you know, yeah, they did win. They did sweep Memphis. Um, but from, you know, everything I'm hearing, Memphis wasn't that great of a team to begin with. Um, well, it's you still needed to get those wins to get back on track. And they took care of business for the most part. They got the big wins. They got the sweep on the road. That's what they needed. Um, they needed that to build some confidence. Uh, in themselves, and they did that. So, um, but now we just have to continue that. <laughs> well, you know, let, let's talk about this, and this is one thing I've, I've kind of heard a lot of people discuss. Summer Ellison doesn't really look like herself this year. Well, she's not. She's giving up more runs. Um, she's giving up more key hits than what we're used to seeing. I agree with that. Um you know, I just find that it's, um, you know, sometimes, like we talk about with baseball, you get into a little bit of a slump, you know, and uh, I think with Summer, we know what she's capable of. And, you know, you never know. She can turn it on this week and, and be Summer that we, the Summer Ellison that we all know and love. I, I don't know. Um, that's, that's her call. That's up to her. She's got to do it herself, you know. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's – it's been weird because, you know, last year this team was so dependent on Summer Ellison to be to be dominant. And I'd say a good ninety to ninety five percent of the time she delivered. Yeah, sure. But now, sure. you know, you, you got you got Kendra Lamb who's got more experience under her belt. You've got you got new girls like um oh God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Foreman. Vanessa Foreman. Um mm. Highly touted uh, coming into the program. You know, she's she's been able to contribute well. So now it's kind of it's, – it's interesting because Summer's no longer, you know, the one that has to go out there and win. So maybe that's contributing to – I don't want to say her downfall because it's not really a downfall, but – her playing differently than she has in the past because she has to adjust to essentially a new role. Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, I mean, that should help because it's depth, you know, you got a depth, you've kind of eased the tensions, you've eased the pressure. Um, you know, you don't have to depend on just one pitcher to get the job done. Now we've got multiple pitchers out there who've been able, like Kendra Lamb was going out there and done a fantastic job herself. Um, but everybody, it's, it's all hands on deck. Everybody has to be ready. Everybody has to be prepared to get into that circle. And if you want to compete for the ultimate goal here, every pitcher has to be on. You can't just have one or two pitchers that's kind of mad, gives up a few runs here and there. Um, everybody has to be on their A game. So hopefully, you know, this could be the start of something this week, get those wins tomorrow, and then um, create some depth. Trace some depth in the circle. We need it. Yeah, no, no question about it. Tomorrow, four and six thirty p.m. from Austin, Texas. Once again, you can catch those games on ESPN Plus, as well as ESPN fourteen twenty. You know, Jerry. In closing, let's talk about the women's basketball program. Now, uh, Monday night, the NCAA tournament bracket was released 
for the women. And so shortly after that, the women's NIT bracket was released. And Louisiana has been placed in the Memphis region against Colorado. Uh, they'll play Friday at 2. Louisiana 16-6 and six on the year. Colorado coming in at a 500 record of 10-10. and 10. So something definitely to uh, to talk about as this is the first time in program history that Louisiana has made the women's NIT. You know, man. No, go ahead. I just want to say congratulations to Coach Gary Broadhead, his staff, and his uh, his ladies. Oh, absolutely. Making WNIT um, first time in school history, uh, first real big time postseason tournament since two thousand seven. I know they've won the WBI a few times, but I mean, you know, look, we all know the uh, the tournament, the, the dance, and the NIT are the two big the, the big ones, and um, we were able to make one of those. And to uh, to be able to go and, and compete against a a, Colo- a Pac-12 Colorado team who beat number one Stanford, um, you know, that's going to be a challenge. It's going to be an uphill battle, but you know, these girls are up for the challenge, and. Um, you know, to, to go face-to-face with a school like Colorado, if you're able to get the win, that could be really, really big. It might be probably one of the biggest wins in school history for this program. So, um, you know, I'm just so proud of, of this team and what they accomplished this year. And to be able to get rewarded, play the best of the best, like a Colorado or any team from a, you know, major conference is a compliment to, to what this program did this year. And, and just um, I'm just very excited for for Coach Gary and, and what, what they can do. And, and, look, this team is good enough. I think they're, they're good enough to beat Colorado. So it should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a challenge. But uh, I know this team is up for the challenge, and they'll give it all they can uh, come Friday in Memphis against this really, really good Colorado Buffalo team. And, you know, an interesting thing with this, with this regional is if Louisiana beats Colorado, they would be placed Saturday against the winner of UT Martin in Nebraska. If they could win that game, they move on to the regional championship game, uh, which would technically be the quarterfinals of the entire tournament. Um, But they could potentially have an in-state rivalry for that regional championship game because Tulane is in the bottom half of the Memphis Regional. Oh. So if Louisiana takes care of business and Tulane takes care of business, on Monday night we could have an in-state rivalry to determine who's going to the WNIT semis. Wow, that's awesome. So That's uh, awesome. That's amazing. That's, and that's great. I mean, just again, just to get this opportunity to make it to the tournament and play some really good competition. I mean, look, Colorado, it's Colorado, right? I mean, it's the Buffaloes. We all know who the Buffaloes are, right? It's not some small school out of some state like, I don't know. I'm not going to put down any state. I'm, I forget I just said that. <laughs> but you know, you're not playing some regional school from wherever, you know, and, and, and playing some team where you look and you go, who are they? I mean, you, you hear Colorado, it's, wow, okay, it's the Pac-12, you know, the Colorado Buffaloes, Pac-12, and it's, it's, it's big. And so um, this is a golden opportunity for this team and this program to, uh, to make a name for themselves, getting, getting a big, big possible win on Friday. Yeah, the the favorite, you know, you, you talked about unknown unknown schools. The favorite in this tournament is probably one that most people haven't heard of, and that's California Baptist. Um, yeah. 
they they're coming into this tournament with a perfect record of twenty four and zero. In uh, they're either Division two or Division one double A. I'm not well, sure. Well, they're, 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 they're Division two. They're Division okay. two going up to Division one. Right. They're in a transitional period, which right. means they're not, technically not allowed to um to advance as far as uh yeah, making it to the tournament. They're 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 ineligible for the NCAA tournament this year due to their transitional period. Um which is why they're in the WNIT. But that's correct. Um, you know, I was watching the selection special Monday night for the W for the women's bracket, and everybody was saying that if it wasn't for that transitional period, they would have one hundred percent been in the tournament. Oh, no question. I mean, I mean, you can't you can't not let an undefeated team get in, right? Um, now, granted, it all depends on the net, right? It all depends on who they play. I know a lot of times we have the debates in men's basketball about being a one bid league. Well, the same rule applies to women's basketball as well. Um, you know, uh, regardless, you know, twenty four no record, even in the transitional period, is very, very impressive. So um, this this is an opportunity for them to show who they are. I mean, people know people who follow women's basketball, who follow sports, they know who California Baptist is now. Um, so we're going to find out what they can do in this tournament. We're going to see if that competition was worth it. If that competition was worthwhile, um, you know, playing the best of the best in the, in the WNIT. So. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. They're kind of the other team I'm kind of keeping an eye on outside of ours just to see, you know, how well they, they play, you know, in this transitional period in a postseason game. Yep. No question about it. Like I said, the women's game for Louisiana, 2 o'clock on Friday from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, obviously, we will have a radio broadcast of this game. I don't know what station it's on. I'm not sure if Town Square has even finalized that information quite yet. Um, I do know that if you want to watch the game, it'll be on ESPN 1420. Um, but if you want to watch the game, uh, if you go to flowhoops.com and you can get a Flow Hoops subscription, they are they're the official streaming partner of the WNIT. So uh, that, unfortunately is the only way to watch the NIT games. Um, so like I Which said, is okay. if, if, yeah. if you're interested in, in watching the WNIT, get a flow hoop subscription. You can catch every game throughout the entire tournament and uh, support Gary Broadhead and his program. Uh, like we yes, said, sir. first time in program history that they're in the WNIT major accomplishment for them. Uh, regular season tournament champions for the first regular tournament champions, regular season champions, for the first time in program history as well. Uh, so just an absolutely historic season for the women's basketball program. We wish them nothing but the best in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, bring home some hardware. Yes, yes. Best of luck to the ladies. Best of luck to Coach Kerry and his staff. Um, great great, uh, great trip, historical trip for this program. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be watching from down here, down in South Louisiana, pulling for them to, get that big win starting on Friday. Absolutely. All right, Cajun Nation, we're about ready to get on out of here. Uh, thank you for tuning in. As always, you know the drill. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rage and Review, RageandReviewPod.com. You can listen to previous episodes on the website as well as anywhere you get your podcast. Plenty of interesting and new developments coming to you soon. Uh, we're always constantly working on on ways to get better for you guys. Uh, if you know any businesses looking to sponsor, I don't know if you guys realized, but the commercials got extensively shorter 
um, which some of you might be happy about, you know, but just like any radio station or web show or whatever you want to call it, we got to pay the bills. Um, so if you know any companies looking to looking for sponsorship opportunities, please send them our way. And we will talk to you guys after the TCU series early next week. And we will recap women's basketball, softball, and baseball at that time. Until then, thank you. As always, wear a mask, be safe, and go Cajuns.